Hey guys, welcome back to the show. My name is Lauren and this is Liam. Hello. We've got a really fun show for you guys today. A little bit of a, I don't know, maybe headache inducing one because these are some That's interesting true. topics. First off, we're going to be talking about how the Democratic presidential hopefuls are more and more capitulating to the alphabet mafia, also known as the LGBT lobby. Then Gina Rodriguez, who is an actress, recently essentially broke the internet by singing along to a song with the N-word. Then Project Veritas has exposed CNN in a series of very delicious insider clips. And finally, AOC was recently crying over the prospect of motherhood in the era of climate change. Just a... It's going to be a great Wednesday night. Uh, before we get into that, though, I do have a really quick message from our sponsors over at Cabbage, lovely people. You see, managing, in, managing inventory, covering payroll, doing a hundred other things before lunch is just an average day when you own a small business. Your time is valuable and getting the money you need shouldn't take up all of it. That's why Cabbage created a simple, modern way for businesses to access up to $250,000 worth of credit. So we were independent when we started making these videos. So I think we know more than anybody how much financing can play a role in getting your business up and running and also how frustrating it can be to deal with. That's why Cabbage makes it really easier than ever. And uh, with Cabbage's application process, it's online. It takes just minutes to complete and get a decision. So you don't have to go to any intimidating meetings that would make this whole process even more anxiety-inducing. Uh, if your business qualifies, you can access the amount you need right away and withdraw more funds whenever you need extra capital. Cabbage has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and has provided over 200,000 small businesses with access to funding. So if you want the money you need to run your small business today, you can go to cabbage.com and use the code Lauren to get a credit of $100 on your first loan statement. That's K-A-B-B-A-G-E.com. A uh, small disclaimer, the offer ends November 30th. You must take a minimum $5,000 loan to qualify. Credit lines subject to review and change. Individual requests for capital are separate installment loans issued by Celtic Bank, member FDIC. And also, big thank you to our live viewers here. And we want to remind you all, uh, you know, if you are watching live, we will be going through Super Chats uh, about an hour into the stream. So mm -hmm. any comments, questions, concerns, we'd love to hear them. Okay, now that that business out of the way... Alphabet Mafia. Did you know that today is National Pronoun Day? I didn't. And uh, I can't say that I feel any better now that I do know that it is National Pronoun Day. Yeah, well, it is National Pronoun Day. Uh, let's say it's October 16th for anyone who's watching this uh, on a different day. And so from what I gather, it's it's a day where you just you come out and you say your pronouns. You're just like, hey, he, him, that's me. Here's what the LGBT Foundation has to say about it. I Apparently, there's an LGBT Foundation. They're just like, they're the gay foundation. Never heard of them before, but they said on Twitter, Happy International Pronouns Day. Today is a chance for us to make respecting, sharing, and educating about personal pronouns more commonplace. Referring to people by the pronouns they determine for themselves is basic to human dignity. Um, mm. You know... I'm someone who I, I very strongly believe that no matter how you identify whatever, like I, I, you should be treated with respect if we're friends and things like that. But I feel like this whole thing of equating respect to pronouns, that's pretty new, right? That's not. Yeah, absolutely. It's like probably in the last three to five years. Yeah, right? like 10 like years very ago. Very recent. I, I hadn't heard any anything about this. And like we're at a point now, which happened very quickly, it seems, where now it's become a marker of human dignity, not just, I would like it if you did this. Right. Full on human dignity. It is crazy. And we've talked about this before, but like how much those slippery slope arguments back in like the mid 2000s turned it's out insane. to be pretty, pretty on the, on the nose, right? Because 
I would never, this is something that like was 10 years ago, this was literally like a meme to make yeah. fun of people on the left, right? Yeah. That's what they would say, you know, like, but it's actually serious. It's at this point, and it's not only is it serious, it's actually affecting people's lives that don't want to get on board with it. Mm -hmm. And right? that's so true. I mean, I feel like we're at a point now where every slippery slope argument people were thinking of 10 years ago, even some we could never have imagined because it's just so crazy. That's become a thing now. I mean, we have people advocating for two spirit to be included in like the LGBT alphabet. And like you said, it's not just, it's not like these are just Tumblr weirdos that we're talking about who want the pronouns push. Cause I know when we started making videos about all this gender stuff, there were people who said, who cares? Leave it alone. Aren't there real issues to talk about? Now we're at a point, which what, what the segment is gonna be covering about how this craziness is actually seeping into mainstream politics, okay? So if you think this isn't a big deal, something worth talking about it, you're very mistaken. Um, because in, if you're in the UK, apparently, and you're not down with all this pronoun usage, whatever, apparently you're gonna be at odds with the police there. We have this clip that was shared on social media. There's a specific LGBT UK police account um, because, you know, you know, never mind stabbings and all the like the gang raping, just this, the pronouns is what we need to focus on. They released this video in honor of National Pronoun Day. Today is International Pronouns Day, which is a day particularly important to people who identify as transgender or gender non-conforming. Being misgendered can have a huge impact on somebody and their personal well-being. It also can be used as a form of abuse for somebody, and that just isn't right. Today is about raising awareness, getting people to have conversations and understanding why it is so important to understand the pronouns that somebody wishes to be used for them. Have a good day. Yeah, it's, a, it's 2019. Fun place to, That's depressing, to, to be around. But then again, like we were, I think, where, where were we? We were in Nova Scotia, I think it was, and they had rainbow flags on like police cars, if I'm yeah, not mistaken, right? Painted, painted onto them. And that's like Nova Scotia, which if you're not Canadian, Nova Scotia is not a California or New York equivalent. No. This is like, this is the boonies. So it's it's weird that it's it's seemingly infiltrated everywhere. And um, you know, what's fascinating and depressing is that, okay, we all know that the UK is clown world. No offense, but it's like you guys, you know, uh, say, Sorry, same thing guys. with with Canada, right? To a large extent, we're we're getting there, if not already there. But what we're seeing more and more lately is that the U.S. Americans, you're joining us. You're joining us in this hell that we live in because it turns out some of the Democratic presidential candidates are super duper progressive and uh, and down with the intersectional LGBTQ2SI. There's probably more letters uh, I, I'm forgetting, Plus. but they're, yeah, they're very yeah. affirming of that kind of thing. Because in honor of National Pronoun Day, Julian Castro actually issued this tweet. Uh, Using someone's correct pronouns and giving your own isn't difficult. I'm Julian Castro. He, him, elle. It takes one extra breath to help people feel seen and respect respected. I think that's worth it. Hashtag pronouns day. What's elle? Um, Is that they in, in Spanish? And it's like he in Spanish. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so I, actually, that's that's a very intersectional tweet you've pointed out because not only is he saying like, hey, I'm down with you non-binary folks, but it's also like, hey. Minorities, and also like, yeah, a Hispanic. So a little extra check yeah, there. exactly. Pretty, pretty cool. And as Quite actually- calculated. <laughs> yeah. No, no, seriously, <laughs> it is. And as one Twitter user pointed out, um, Castro isn't the only Democrat who's getting down specifically with the pronoun thing. If you're not on Twitter, there's kind of this meme going around that if someone has pronouns in their bio, you can pretty much, I don't want to say ignore what they have to say because some, you know, sometimes they might say good stuff, but it's it's- you kind of know what ideological perspective they're going to be coming 
to you as. And uh, as one user pointed out, let's see, uh, Pete Buttigieg, okay, apparently he added his pronouns to his Twitter bio today, I'm guessing in honor of National Pronoun Day, and Chasen too, who, if you don't know, is his husband. And this user said, there are now six presidential candidates who have their pronouns in their Twitter bios. Cory Booker, Julian Castro, Kamala Harris, Tom Steyer, and Elizabeth Warren. So again, like, you know, a few years ago, I remember when we talked about this whole pronoun thing and people were laughing, this is stupid, who cares? There are like five blue-haired people on the internet who are trying to this. Like, no, there are some people on here, specifically someone like Elizabeth Warren, who has a, I mean, a decent chance of becoming president. Her pronouns are in the bio. And I'm not I'm not saying that just because she lists pronouns, it's it's the end of the world, but it's you have to understand where that ideology comes from, right? And it's crazy to me too, because like the people that they're, you know, trying to help here by putting the pronouns in their bio, like the LGBT population or even more like the trans and non-binary population, which is even more specific than that, yeah. right? They're very, very tiny. Yes. But there's clearly a huge market for it outside of the LGBT. Or there's got to be a market for it because they're they're all doing it right now. They think that this is the way to win a, a, a democratic election. Yeah. And that's pretty concerning, I think, that so many people actually think that this is legitimate. Right. And that's the thing. When, when you talk about presidential elections, especially the primaries, what you try to do is you try to rally up your base. Yeah. Right. If, you, if you're a Republican, that means reaching out to evangelicals, uh, blue collar workers, tell you that because you want those primary voters who more often than not in a closed primary need to be registered Democrats. So I guess Democrats now have made a bet that their core base, their their prime voters are down with this whole pronoun thing. And like you said, it's a small group who actually is LGBT, but I think even bigger is the group who thinks that, you know, pandering to this or embracing this lingo or whatever it is, that's how you signal your virtue. And again, I'm not trying to rag on this because we shouldn't be accepting of people or whatever, but understand in Canada, okay, Bill C-16, there's actually laws now where if you don't use the correct pronoun, you can face legal pen penalties, okay? So this is the type of authoritarianism we're dealing with because that's how it starts. It starts with, oh, listing the pronouns in the bio. I, I don't think that this is where it stops though. Yeah. Um, and, and we see that even in places like New York in the US, they're already starting to move toward compelled speech. Some people might say that they're already there. I, I forget how many genders are recognized in that state. Um, like you said, the slippery slope, it's, it's very real. And these Democrats, they're attempting to appeal to a group who by and large, are raging authoritarians. And today they're listing their pronouns. I wouldn't be surprised if eventually you have someone who is uh, maybe even one of these candidates calling for laws like we see in Canada and like you already yeah. see on so many university campuses. Of course. And I'm also, I can't wait to the point where the people that list these pronouns, it's not enough that they are he, him, and she, her, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's too binary. You need to have other things. That's the next step, right? We're yes. going to have a, we're going to have a candidate with the Gigeur, and, and everything Not else, intersectional enough. You, know? you need to be non-binary. Too many cis people on the playing field. And actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because we already see that among these activists, there's there's no such thing as placating them because they're always going to want more. It's like if you, you throw a dog a bone, he's not just going to leave you alone after that bone. I'm sorry, but a lot of these activists are the same way. Uh, we have this user who says, on this hashtag pronouns day, I just want to point out that almost all of the presidential candidates constantly speak in binaries. And we notice, we notice those who make an effort not to as well. So, okay, so Elizabeth Warren, I'm sorry, you can list your pronouns in your mm. bio, you know, she, but if you're talking about things like, oh, a women's reproduction when it comes to abortion, well, guess what? Men can get pregnant as well. That's right. You're not even addressing those who are non-binary. It's and very And we yeah. notice 
Don't exactly. get it. Like we all notice, like all two of us, right? Yeah. But uh, I, yeah, it drives me nuts. And also one thing I want to point out on a side note is the holiday stuff. Like what we had gay pride month. Didn't yeah. we have like a week of that too? Like yeah, another so separate was, week. Yeah. And someone did point out online. So like June is pride month yeah. and, but now we have national pronoun day and also I think national coming out day. Oh, that, yeah. I saw that well, pretty recently. Like shouldn't all of these holidays being the no. pride month they're gonna think. take over every little aspect of the calendar like you know yeah. every single day every single month is gonna be affiliated with them the rainbow already is we've already lost the rainbow sorry guys <laughs> you know us, yeah. us irish people you know uh with our little uh, leprechauns at the end of the rainbow yeah, that's true that's gay now we lost that's literally gay we lost yeah, yeah. it's a gay leprechaun now no it's and, true and next you know it's gonna be christmas there's gonna be a winterkin celebration on christmas it's all gonna be well, no that's true when i was trying to think of a like a way to show people how ridiculous the whole pronoun thing is i was trying to like could, could you imagine if i like said i was a cat and i expected you to you know respect that but that's the thing. No, that's actually the two spirit thing, the furry, the yep. other kin thing. That's actually part of it. So it's like we've gotten to a point where I can't even parody these beliefs anymore because someone out there will be sitting there. It's like, that's what are you saying? Because I, I tell you in every way but physical, I <laughs> am a wolf. wolf. <laughs> so it's like, what, what do you do with this? And I'm, I've always been the, you know, the, of the belief that there are some parts of your identity that you choose and there are some that you don't. Right. Like you can um, you, you, you don't choose, let's say. Well, okay, opposite way. Um, you can choose your religion, um, you can choose your profession, and that's fine, part of your identity. There are other parts you don't choose, like you don't choose your nationality. I can't just say I identify as a Saudi princess and expect to keep like, well, not collecting, yet. Yeah, not, not yet. yet, collecting all of this oil money. I'm sorry, but for a lot of people, gender is the same way. It's not just an expression of how you feel. It's yeah. it's a descript descriptor of a way you're born. And it always has been like that, except for as people will love to point out maybe two tribes in the Amazon. Who like have a, a different thing going, therefore gender yeah, of course. is They're, a construct. Yeah. It's yeah. like a, some people are born with three legs, therefore humans are not bipedal. Exactly. That's the whole <laughs> argument, right? Um, yeah. And so the reason why I want to bring attention to this is, again, these are people who are not happy with the live and let live mentality. Um, I would love to say, oh, you know, you believe this. I don't, let's just agree to disagree, but we're at a point now where these people have shown that they're not happy with that. I mean, we've seen teachers fired for not using the right pronouns, not even using the wrong pronouns, but not using the right pronouns, right? We did a, a segment on that teacher in, I think, Virginia. Uh, people have been banned from social media for not using the right pronouns. People have been sued for not waxing men's balls. <laughs> um, laws have been made restricting people's speech to protect the sensibilities of very confused individuals. So it, it should worry you that Democrats are jumping on board with this. Um, some people are saying that this is just for the primaries and then in the general, they're going to go a little bit more moderate, a little bit more mainstream. Like, look, they, they can try that. But if they, you know, if they're doing all the stuff with the pronouns and then they expect to speak to middle America come, I don't know, September of 2020, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard to come back from that. Never mind. We have people who, okay, Beto O'Rourke, as far as I can tell, is not one of the candidates who has his pronouns in the bio. Very... Very close-minded. That, that shocks him. me, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's like, he's fake Mexican, so you'd think he could be fake trans in solidarity. But anyway, um, he recently made headlines because he was saying that if if churches or religious institutions more broadly don't recognize and support same-sex marriage, then they should have their tax exemption removed from them. And I don't think that Beto O'Rourke is going to be the, the nominee by a long shot. Actually, why he's still in these debates, I really don't understand, aside from maybe entertainment value which is fair enough. It is entertaining. Um, but I do think that the things he's saying now, there's a good chance that, I mean, everyone's trying to be the more woke one. 
they other candidates may start adopting stuff like this. Now, Pete Buttigieg and Elizabeth Warren have come out and say said no, uh, you know, not supporting same-sex marriage. That's we can't really use that as like a a, a carrot to or tax exempt status as a carrot over church's head so they don't have to, or so they, they would support that. But I think the fact that people are even saying things like this should be very worrying. And again, I've, I've talked about it before. There's like such a thing as negative and positive rights. I think increasingly we're seeing the LGBT lobby kind of try to make people believe that by not catering to them in very specific ways, their rights are being violated. Yeah, absolutely. Which has never been what, I guess, like human interaction or rights has meant previously. And before we move on, I do just want to say that, you know, there, there are LGBT activists out there who are trying to make it as make it seem as if being someone who is LGBT is like a, a political identity or political ideology or this authoritarian personality type, and it's not. Whenever we talk about these crazy stories of these activists doing insane things, this is not a reflection on every single person out there who is LGBT, right? Dave Rubin, Blair White, Mark Heil- Mark, Mike Harlow, sorry, Mike, Brandon Straka, Scott Pressler, who's the... Um, the wonderful person who's going around the United States doing cleanups of big cities. Like these are all LGBT individuals who don't support these things. So I I mean, I I know if if you're hearing story after story talking about these LGBT activists, you might be kind of inclined to start to believe that they represent all LGBT people. And they want to. And they want to. And they claim to. They want to, they want you to believe that. I know I, I'm someone who I don't even like, I've not I've not talked about anything like um, gay marriage. I've also not said anything like gay people should not adopt, but because or anything like that. I just we've never made videos about that. But because I speak out on things like child drag queens, um, compelled speech, trans children, I've been called homophobic and anti LGBT. And it's like, what? Yeah, I I know. Like on social media, there was this uh, video of this guy like twerking in the streets and i i made a point about how pride parades are now about exhibitionism and then a bunch of people were calling me homophobic it's like whoa if you think twerking in the streets like in in daisy dukes is what the gays do i would say you have a bigger chance of being homophobic than me all right because i don't know maybe i just hang out with better gays than you do but it's not all of them um okay so next story is gina rodriguez so if you don't know who she is you were not alone i did not either you didn't either right Pardon me? Gina Rodriguez. Oh, I had no idea. And that's that's probably no surprise to any of our viewers at this point. Oh, Liam doesn't know who a celebrity yeah. is? Yeah. He's very difficult to try to watch TV shows with, I will tell yeah. you. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. This is this is a, from a show called Jane the Virgin, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, so. I know. I, I'd heard of the show before. I uh, was immediately like, okay, probably won't interest me. So I, I hadn't checked it out before. I'm not familiar with this actress. But when I saw her name was trending on Twitter and Google Trends, I was like, oh, this is interesting. I wonder what happened. I clicked the story and I learned that she had recently posted what was, I think, being described as an anti-black racist video on her Instagram stories. And so I kind of thought, like, what could she have possibly said? Oh, my goodness. Um, was it some racist tirade? Was she, like, filming herself beating this black woman while yelling slurs? What could possibly be so bad that she, like, this is literally a trending story worldwide, essentially, um, because people were they were mad. People were really mad. And we actually, we have a sanitized version of the story she posted here, just so you guys can kind of revel in the awfulness that is Gina Rodriguez, apparently. Voodoo. I could do what you do. Believe me. Just give me heebie-jeebies. 
Yeah, so okay, obviously that was a very short clip of her singing along to a song that did have the N-word in it. That's what was bleeped out, just in case you weren't clear. Yeah, because, uh, you know, we're not trying to be lynched by YouTube. So that was what put her on Google and Twitter trends and totally canceled online. And for anyone who's not familiar with my background, just by the way, uh, I didn't grow up in the U.S., I didn't grow up really um, with too much American culture. I grew up in Asia. I did go to an American school, but still, you know, my family background and all that. Asian, my mom's Canadian. I later moved to the States for college. Uh, Liam, you're Canadian. So I feel like we're kind of almost, when it comes to this whole like N-word, I don't know, like controversy, the whole debate or conversation surrounding it. Like we don't have this in Hong Kong. We don't really have it in Canada no. to the same. Like, no, no. So I don't know how you feel, but looking From the outside looking into American culture, they seem, they're crazy. They're ridiculous. Absolutely. It It drives me, this whole thing drives me nuts. Yeah. It's not the first time we dealt with this. A few months ago, there was a a lady who came up on stage in a rapper's concert. Kendrick Lamar, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, and then she dropped an N-bomb that was in the song, Mm -hmm. and she got booed off the stage. Yeah, so it's like he invited her up on stage to sing his song. She did, and he got mad at her for it. Right. So, I mean, this is ridiculous. Um, And by the way, we're not the only ones who think this. Anytime I talk to someone from another culture, which we'll be getting into a second, they agree with me. Like, Americans are really, really weird about, I think, race relations in general, frankly, but especially black and non-black race relations. You guys have issues to work out. Obviously, the N-word historically has been used as a, an awful slur. I don't support that, but you, you'd have to be pretty dense, I think, to not recognize that nowadays it is used casually. Pretty right. often with a non-derogatory meaning. We see this all the time in movies, um, music especially, like among entire communities. And um, so I tweeted about this when I saw the story, something about how like if some people can say it, then it doesn't really make sense how it's always unacceptable for other people based on skin color. Like are yeah, we just ignoring – Yeah, like we're just ignoring the context of what Gina Rodriguez said entirely. Like she was singing a song. Which I don't is probably th- – in support of the culture indirectly, right? Like, yeah. I like the song, I know the lyrics to it, I'm singing it, right? Which already I think is, is bad enough because I think it's it's a bad, that whole culture scene to me, I think is bad. Yeah. You know? and I, I, don't, I, I don't think they should be using that language if nobody should be. If, if there are people that should not use that word, nobody should use that word. Yeah. Or we should all be able to use the word. That's my opinion. I, I agree 100%. And that's why, like, there were people when I, I, tweeted about this on social media saying oh you just want to be able to use the n-word i really don't i have no interest in any of that stuff like i'm sorry but yeah i think so much of hip-hop culture is very disrespectful to women i think it glorifies violence drug use i don't want any part of that so i i mean i don't even like regular swearing not saying i don't ever but i try not to so like no i have no interest in saying the n-word what bothers me the reason we're talking about this is because i just want someone who sings a song on instagram to not incur the wrath of the internet that's what I want. Okay. Yep. And um, what, oh yeah, what what kind of made me, I don't want to say laugh, but really interested me, this interested me in this as well as that. The whole thing is like, Gina Rodriguez is obviously, she's, she's Hispanic, right? And so now we're kind of looking at layers of intersectionality, like, okay, white people can't say it because your slave owner is really bad. Okay, but what about a Hispanic person, right? Because they're in in some ways like removed from the whole slavery relationship that, you know, a lot of people say represented the entirety of blacks and whites in the past, which was not true. Not all no. white people own slaves. But can you and really... And blacks own slaves. And, you know, it's just a false narrative yeah, all the way through. Absolutely. So, yeah, but it's like so. you're, you're talking, if we even if we are going to buy into that mentality of, hey, let's look at the cultural context and the historical mm. context, how do Hispanics play into that? Like, I'm really interested... 
to hear what these people say because I don't think there's going to be a consistent answer. And, and never mind, but you also have the, you know, if you can say it if you're black, what about if you're part black, you're mixed race? You and I know someone who is, I think, a quarter or half black um, who wants to be a rapper, but if you were to look at him, is completely white looking. So can he get away with saying it right. if... Like, do we need to do a blood test or something that he just brings to his concerts and say, no, I can say it. It's Is okay. it just one drop rule or what yeah. have you? You know, I got, at Who one knows? point I had a 0.1% sub-Saharan African on my DNA test. Yeah, 23andMe. Does it that was, give you the card to it, say it? Well, it was taken away, so I've lost it now. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, does, is that enough? Yeah. Is that enough for me no, to just start dropping N-bombs? Yeah, never mind. I mean, if you are a black person or someone who's part black like Kamala Harris, but your African heritage is not from the United States yeah. slave trade, can you say the N-word when really it's like Very true. you you weren't part of that uh, oppression? So, I mean, what, what exactly is the rule here? I want to know. Um, here's what one person online said in response to this whole controversy. She obviously has a very... Oh, actually, no, actually, sorry, messed up my insert. So um, I mentioned the whole idea about this being very culturally specific. So you might be familiar with Zuby, who is, I think he's originally from, he's, he's from the UK and he's black right. and he was recently on Joe Rogan's show, if you haven't caught it yet, but he responded to a post yeah. that I made um, and, and he said this, which I thought was interesting about the use of the N-word. He said, in Central and Eastern Europe, I've been called that word by lots of young people. They're totally unaware it has any potentially negative connotation. They say it to be cool and to appeal to me. Some think it's the actual word for a black person. Can't even blame them. And that's true. Like, I remember I, I, where I grew up, I no one was saying the N-word or, or anything like that. I, I think I was pretty old, maybe like 11 or 12, but the first time I heard it, and it was in a pop culture reference. Mm. I, I never tried to say it, but it wasn't until I was maybe you know, 14, later teen that I began to realize the full gravity that some people felt when you say it. Right. And so I asked him in response to that. So as someone who is black, when when a white person who's from a different culture comes up to you and, and calls you that, like, what's your response? How does that make you feel? He said this, which I thought was interesting. It's usually accompanied by a smile, excitement, and a fist bump or high five so I don't get mad. Clearly no ill intent. If their English is good, I'll normally let them know it has negative meanings to many people. Then they'll say, why do the rappers say it? Hard question to answer. And I think right. that that is true. Um, I, I don't. I wouldn't really have a, a good way to explain that to them. Then if you're coming from a culture that is not American, the whole idea that it's okay for them to say it because they're black, but you can't say it because you're not like that. Other cultures are not going to get that. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think if there are No. I'm actually other surprised that China doesn't use it more often yeah. from what I heard, you know? Yeah, exactly. But. Because it's like there are – the U.S. is one of the least racist cultures, don't Absolutely. get me wrong. Yeah. But the way that, especially nowadays, they're handling race relations is more and more, I think, contrived and less and less egalitarian. Mm -hmm. um, but here's that activist that I was talking about who made a statement on social media, obviously has a very different – opinion than than we do about it she says if you saw my tweets about gina rodriguez's use of the n-word some of which i've removed you'll know that i was fired up and used some strong language i stand behind my reaction but this is a serious topic and it deserves more than 280 characters i mean just there is it a serious topic that someone's saying it on instagram i don't know uh, first, I want to be clear about something I believe deeply. If you are not African-American, you should never use that word, whether if it's in a speech or singing along with your favorite song. Okay, and again, right there, there is no other word that I can think of where context does not matter, period. That's true. Uh, like, swear words. It really um, is the Voldemort word. No, it, it is. And even, like, you can say the... 
recite some of the most heinous quotes from, you know, evil dictators, but that still doesn't mean no one would say you're saying them. Those are your words. Apparently, quotes don't apply to the N-word, though. Um, she, she continued, I'm so proud to be part of my amazing Latinx community, but I'm very aware of my privilege as a light-skinned Latina, and it deeply concerns me when I see people within our community ignoring or not acknowledging the discrimination that our Afro-Latinx brothers and sisters can face. We all have the responsibility to keep learning and to do our best to internalize the experience of others, yada, yada, yada. So they, again, there's like, if you're Latin, like, sorry, Afro-Latinx, so I'm guessing that's maybe um, someone of African descent from, but from a caribbean background can you use the n-word because the n-word is specific to the united states which your ancestors were not a part of right. again so it's like it's crazy uh. it's, but even the part that where they have afro latinx as like a, a group of people this reminds me of like what they used to have in dominican republic when they had a caste system of mm -hmm. like no it and is they had like 60 or 100 different by the end of it of like qualifications as to what you were as a human being if you had a certain mixture of blood yeah you know like someone that was part black and part white was called this but if they had a child with a native they were called that and it was like all right so we're all just gonna like have this kind of super purity spiral by the end of, by the end of the day essentially like this um, is what we tried to fight against i thought right yeah isn't that what they were trying to stop and uh, before we'll move on to the story gina rodriguez again i wasn't familiar with her but i started kind of looking her up a bit more uh when the story blew up and apparently this isn't the first time she's been accused of being anti-black that like anti-black not my phrase that's what people are calling her mm. um so i have a an article here from the independent that is titled jane the virgin star gina rodriguez cries as she addresses anti-black claims so this is what She's been known for before in terms of controversy. Okay, the article says, Jane the Virgin actor Gina Rodriguez has given an emotional interview addressing accusations made against her of being anti-black, a claim she emphatically denies. Rodriguez sparked controversy in November 2018 after taking part in a Netta Porter roundtable discussion with fellow actors Gabriel Union, Emma Roberts, and Ellen Pompeo. When the subject of pay disparity in Hollywood arose, Rodriguez made a point of highlighting the intersectional aspect of the topic. So, so far, so good, right? Like, she's talking about pay disparity. She's also bringing up intersectionality. Progressives should like this. Apparently not. What she said is, where white women get paid more than black women, black women get paid more than Asian women, Asian women get paid more than Latina women, and it's like a very scary space to step into. She said she she said that black women get paid more than certain other groups in Hollywood, mm. which I think is true, especially Probably. I think if you look at the music industry, but you're you're not supposed to say that. It's okay if you're ragging on white women for getting paid more, but you can't do it for black women. Uh, the article continued, the actor's comments were condemned by some who pointed out that several Latina actors, such as Modern Family Sofia Vergara, earn a substantial amounts of money in comparison to black actors, because that's how it works, right? If you talk about the pay gap and you bring up that Oprah... Oprah is richer than the white guy next door, feminists would be happy with that and accept it as an argument. So it's good that that's what they're doing here because it's consistent. Uh, Rodriguez has now addressed the criticism she received, stating that she found the backlash devastating to say the least. She explained that as a young child, she felt seen by black actors on screen as there weren't many Latino shows on air, which to me doesn't really make sense because I would never say it's like, oh, I'm a half Chinese and that actor isn't, but at least they're not white. So I feel a connection. Doesn't make sense. Anyway, um, she said, so to get anti-black is saying that I'm anti-family. That was really devastating to me. And I know in my heart, I know what I meant. And I really wish we weren't living in a culture where we're clickbait because I've never said anything controversial about anybody, she said. The actor went on to say that people from white and Asian communities weren't offended by her comments, a statement that's become a source of contention on Twitter. We're offended. Don't use us as a way to come for other women of color's earnings that they fought so hard for, one person tweeted. Mm. So... 
you're you're not going to bring races together by trying to divide them no. constantly. Um, like I said, I don't want to say the N-word. I'd be happy if no one ever said the N-word ever again. But what I'm looking for is a community where people are treated equally, no privileges or punishments given on skin color. And the thing right. is, like, what I don't get about these activists who are trying to cancel Gina Rodriguez for this is, like, you or the black community is not helped in any way by her being put through the ringer because what she was doing was not racist. I think this is this is not trying to protect anybody. This is actually just trying to punish people because yep. you have a chip on your shoulder. And it's a terrible way to live. I agree. And actually, I want to add on to that. I, I want to say that I think that having protected classes based on inalienable features is is ultimately not congruent with multiculturalism. It's not. And you I think, can't have it. Right. And, I, and I, so I think this is actually an important issue if we want this kind of Western experiment of multiculturalism to, to survive, right? Yeah. So we really have to, and it's hard because I think that most people in this chat and watching the show are on board. They say that this is a ridiculous thing, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a huge counterculture or yeah. really dominant culture in this case, I think, that disagrees. And I, I think it's, it really does spell doom in some ways for... No, you're you're right. Like this this whole idea of different races and cultures living together side by side, um, it's not really been tried before. It, mm. it really hasn't. And I think the way that if we have any hope of making it work, it's by trying to unify people, right? Focusing on what makes us the same, what brings us together. Trying to set up all these differences, these barriers, it's only going to alienate people and make them resentful. And like I said, I don't care about this. This doesn't affect me at all. This is not the media that I watch. It's like, whatever, do whatever you want. But I think there are a lot of people out there, um, maybe uh, Latino people, maybe white people, biracial people, uh, white passing people who in do enjoy this culture and want to be able to participate in it. But everyone telling them that they can't, that they better keep their mouths shut, that because of something they didn't do, they need to be punished in this way. I think that will alienate a lot of them. And that's something, if you want this to work, all of us living together, you need to be careful of. All right, so our, our next story is Project Veritas. If you're not familiar with them, um, they're an investigative group headed by James O'Keefe. We had the pleasure of interviewing him back when we were uncensored. Was that like a year ago? Uh, probably over a year ago. Yeah, um, it, it's not on YouTube, but you can still catch it on Blaze TV. I think our episodes our are archived there. Yeah. yeah. So they're out with a new set of videos. Um, this time, their latest whistleblower is a CNN insider who took hundreds of hours of undercover recordings from staff at CNN. And what his recordings show is that, surprise, surprise, CNN has a liberal bias. Oh, I know. What? It's shocking, to say the least. Um, here is one example of a clip that was released that talks about their bias in covering different shooting incidents. Seriously, I don't know where the actual neighborhoods in New Jersey are. Princeton. Princeton. Okay, let's say in Princeton, white kid gets shot at Princeton University. He's walking, he's visiting his, his big brother, who's a student there. He gets shot in the head. He gets killed. We're going to get coverage on that because, oh my God, we have the precious little thing. Yeah. But three people get shot in Newark. Nobody cares. Wow. Nobody, nobody cares. 
That was just a, a short excerpt, but there's much more footage available on Project Veritas's YouTube channel. So uh, make sure you're following them on YouTube. The channel is just Project Veritas. I would also check them out at on Twitter at Project underscore Veritas to stay up to date with what they're doing, just, you know, in case YouTube decides to kind of bring the hammer down on them. So I, I don't really have that much to say about this because, uh, frankly, I'm not in any way surprised. I mean, we've no. talked about media bias, specifically mainstream media, and I would say even more specifically than that, CNN bias on this show tons of times before. And I'm at a point now where for me to be surprised about CNN's behavior, it would literally need to be something like, Anderson Cooper stays young by bathing in the blood of Honduran virgins. Like, that would surprise me. That's learning, a fair point. Yeah, learning yeah. that they cover shooting incidents unequally for for views, ratings, or to, to push an agenda, that doesn't surprise me. I'm sorry, but I'm like, I'm so past this. So I, I love Project Veritas, but and I respect their work so much. But for me, I, I was kind of almost like, I don't know, expecting more from these videos, like expecting some sort of revelation that I I didn't know. Like they were even more insidious right. and calculating than I thought. Um, but with that being said, I know there are a lot of people out there who somehow do view CNN as like this objective mm -hmm. news source. And hey, if you're one of those people, maybe this will be helpful in convincing you otherwise. Um, with that being said, though, I also kind of realistically think that if, if you're someone who still thinks that CNN is unbiased, not that you still watch them. I think a ton of people watch them and like they know what they're getting, which is like fine. You can still watch them. But like... If you still think that they're just like arbiters of truth, totally hands off with their own opinions, the, these are the same type of people who like they'll believe whatever anonymous whistleblower sources that the New York Times talks about. They'd be like, oh, no, that's, that's that's legitimate. But when it comes to something like Project Veritas, where it's like literally it's a it's a public source, it's on video, they might still say, no, I don't know. I don't I don't know if I trust that. Well. So. Even for people like myself, who what I used to do was I would I would check CNN and I would check Fox News and maybe a couple other sources mm -hmm. and be like, okay, somewhere in between, maybe here is the truth. You know, you're like a moderate and you use both sides as measuring sticks. But I think that if, even if you're one of those people now, when you start seeing stuff like this come out, you need to say, okay, maybe I don't even use them as a measuring stick because yeah, it's just so it's so off, yeah. blatant, right? That it's not really any sort of valid goalpost. Yeah, because there, there's a difference between being a biased or a, a source that's kind of biased toward liberalism and just being essentially an, an advocate arm of the Democratic Party. Yeah, like a propaganda <laughs> yeah, arm. Yeah, like there, there's a difference between that. And I think we've kind of crossed more into the propaganda arm. Um, and, and I think one of the revelations that I found especially interesting about this was the, the revelation about how Jeff Zucker, who if you don't know is the head of CNN, no relation to Jeff Zuckerberg, or sorry, the other Zuckerberg, Mark. Um, Mike, Good yeah, Mark, Mark, yeah. Um, he has so Jeff Zucker, CNN Zucker, uh, CNN has a personal vendetta against Trump, apparently, and there are clips to support that. On the calls to executive producers and news staffers across the country, it is clear that Zucker wants his network to stay focused on impeachment and nothing else. Guns will be the central topic in the 2020 Democratic yeah. nomination race today.
all the president's men are part of the cover up. The impeachment stuff, there's new developments every day, more shoes drop, and it's like, there's just nothing we can do. And Zucker wants impeachment every single day to be the top story. That's what he so, wants. Yeah, he wants impeachment. So, above all else, I'm assuming. Above all else. So for people who aren't familiar with how um, kind of news media works, usually every day there's something called a, like a rundown, um, which is a meeting where everyone kind of puts out okay he's laughing because uh blaze since we're remote we don't really have a rundown meeting but we are supposed to submit what our episodes are going to be about every morning which we don't do a very good job of ricky if you're watching this i am sorry we do try sometimes but it's yeah but anyway um so what we see here is that you know there are people who are giving other story alternatives to impeachment which frankly nobody cares about if, if you're if you're not one of the CNN's core viewership, but no, he's pushing impeachment. He wants to talk about impeachment. And this is just one of the ways that we see that. Look, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with wanting to talk about impeachment, whatever. But the idea that it's even possible, frankly, to have an unbiased news source, because not only do you have to worry about how you report certain things, you have to worry about what what you report in the first place, right? There is yep. a substantial bias involved in even just saying instead of, you know, talking about all of these gang-related deaths in Chicago, we're going to talk about impeachment. That's an editorial decision, which in and of itself reveals some some sort of bias. And furthermore, I think if you want to do actual proper journalism, it's something that requires time, yeah. right? And that's just not something you can afford to do from a business perspective in today's The 24-hour right? news cycle. Where it's a 24-hour news cycle. You don't have time to send in an actual journalist and do yeah. some fact-checking. You're just right away throwing out... Here's like what gets clicks yeah, yeah exactly so you know just kind of an approximate fact of here's what we think but it's portrayed in a way that's going to you know get attention mm -hmm. and that's that's just a huge clickbait culture yeah, and problem. actually i mean we're talking about like real journalism to me what project veritas does investigative journalism where they're actually going out there and they're looking for information they're finding it firsthand that's something that we used to see quite often yeah. in the media and we we really don't see that what no. i would say we're in an era era where investigative journalism is dead so often what we see on cnn msnbc like they're just talking about what trump has tweeted out or regurgitating each other's articles right yes there's an article on cnn and now let's do an article about the article on cnn and then it's just like a whole food chain of yeah. articles on which articles. hey it's fine you know commentary yeah. people like that that's what we do but, but that, some of it, it isn't even commentary some of it's like reporting yeah on other articles like and this is what they said like you know, that's yeah. fine but like own it don't Exactly. Call yourself this unbiased source, this, you know, the the pinnacle of journalism when you're talking about Trump's tweets. It just it doesn't make sense. And uh, I also wasn't surprised when one CNN staffer mentioned that Zucker seems to have an affinity for Kamala Harris, because we're now we're not just talking about bias against Trump, even within, you know, Democrats or the left. CNN is still picking favorites. So like if you're a left winger watching this and you think, oh, I don't care, I hate Trump, like, well, do you think it's fair that even like your potential preferred candidate is not going to get the airtime he or she deserves because Zucker says, no, I prefer someone else because I don't. Here, here's that clip. So who does he want to be president? Take on some of these issues of racial justice because you're kind of passionate. He Here's the thing. Like, I, don't I don't know. I think he wants a Democrat. I don't think he has any particular favorite. Well, because here's the thing. He donated before to Kamala Harris when she was running for Senate in California. But I think he kind of likes Pete. But I can tell if he also likes Biden anymore.
could you imagine if Trump said, Elizabeth Warren should not have internet service, and instead of being outraged, Fox News actually actually did a whole segment about the validity of that. Hey, maybe Elizabeth Warren shouldn't have internet outrage. That, that's the same thing with the whole Trump Twitter thing. It's absolutely ridiculous that it, not only are they not would they not call Kamala Harris out for it, but they would actually maybe entertain it. It's like, did she just make an amazing point, though? Like, is this something we should be doing? And we've like, seen this, right? We've seen Trump say things that Democratic presidents have in the past. Yeah. And it's like a totally different reaction, right? No, exactly. And we see this with the whole the new Ukraine gate thing, right? Yeah. I mean, Biden, some might say, actually was bragging about withholding aid money to get a prosecutor fired, which, I mean, that sounds like a quid pro quo to me. And then Trump calls someone as like, maybe you should look into it. And all of a sudden, like, that's you're unheard of. I'm sorry, I don't actually think anyone was legitimately outraged by that. Like, it just d- doesn't make sense to me. No. And here's the thing. Everybody has bias, and that's okay. I have bias. I think no one is unbiased. It's, it's, it's not possible. We all have our certain predispositions, our own experiences, backgrounds that kind of lean us in favor of one thing versus another. I accept that the only thing that I would ask is that you be upfront about it, right? You you just come clean. I rag on the Young Turks a lot, like, a lot. But I've got to say, I still have more respect for someone like Cenk Uger, who is upfront about his own beliefs, than I would Don Lemon. Because, you know, Cenk's not pretending to be anything that he's not. Founder of the Justice Democrats. Yeah, he comes out. I'm a progressive. The show is from a progressive standpoint. Okay, fine. I'm still going to criticize you, but I I can't, you know, really fault you for being something that you're not or, or trying to mislead people with how you're labeling yourself. I can definitely say that about Don Lemon, though. I mean, Don Lemon is, I think, like an oh, an outright left-wing activist and yet still presenting himself as, you know, this news anchor, like unbiased journalist. Um, so, yeah, don't call yourself, uh, I guess, impartial when you slant literally every single story just to pr- push a certain narrative. And, you know, Tulsi Gabbard, she's someone who, whether you love her or hate her, support her or not, you have to admit is an example of someone who's kind of been facing this whole fake news media narrative in a lot of the same ways that Trump has. And and it's interesting because in the Project Veritas tapes, they they actually do mention Tulsi Gabbard briefly and Yang as well as someone who CNN is kind of slanted against. And I don't know if you guys watched the Democrat debate the other night, but Tulsi Gabbard actually did call out CNN's bias on CNN, which I thought was a pretty good power move. Uh, We have an excerpt of that here. New York Times and CNN have also smeared veterans like myself for calling for an end to this regime change war. Uh, Just two days ago, the New York Times put out an article saying that I'm a a Russian asset and an Assad apologist and all these different smears. This morning, a CNN commentator said on national television that I'm an asset of Russia. Completely despicable. That made me happy. That was. I was uh, ready, ready for the cane to come out. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just like very convenient. Mike cut out. Uh, you know, lost their signal. No, that that made me very very happy. So uh, I hope you guys check out the Project Veritas videos. They're very interesting. I think they may still be in the process of releasing releasing more material. So uh, you know, check them out, share them, give them a like, and yeah, it needs to get some momentum behind that kind exactly, of stuff. Exactly because it happens right. As popular and retweeted as as their announcements were about these videos, they still did not make trending. Which to me is very, very oh, suspicious. Well, they decide what trends. They, yeah. No, that's not even they do. that's yeah. not even hidden. They admit it. So it's, yeah. yeah, that's no surprise. Anyway, so I just hope that we can get these videos out there, and that this could be maybe yet another drop in the bucket that will be CNN's fall from grace. Okay, AOC. 
Hooray! Yay, AOC. Okay, so recently she gave a talk about how I don't even know what the the thesis of the talk was. If this was specifically about climate change, but there there were clips of her talking about climate change in the talk at the very least. And part of it, the part that's getting the most attention, is how she mentioned climate change had almost embittered her toward the prospects of motherhood, and she was even kind of tearing up as she said this. We have that here. This note, I speak to you not as an elected official or public figure, but I speak to you as a human being, a woman whose dreams of motherhood now taste bittersweet because of what I know about our children's future, and that our actions are responsible for bringing their most dire possibilities into focus. I speak to you as a daughter and descendant of colonized peoples who have already begun to suffer. People were making fun of her for getting a little bit choked up there. And I mean, I personally don't mind if politicians tear up every oh, but now and then. I think she's lying, then. to be honest. If you don't being, think that was genuine? Well, I don't think anybody does. But but I mean, to me, she was, I know she was like, a, I think she was 29-year-old bartender at the yeah. time. It's like, well, that's generally speaking, not the path that you're on if you're actually thinking seriously about motherhood. Fair you know? enough, yeah. So it seems a little bit like an act, at least to me. Yeah, and I mean... The thing is, I care about the environment. Like, I support hydropower, nuclear. Like, I, I want to lower emissions. I want clean air, water. I don't want overfishing. That's probably what I'm worried most about right now, as well as, like, things like pollution in the water. Um, but what bothers me is that the environmentalist movement nowadays, and I include people like AOC in this and Greta Thunberg, um, like, it's moved largely, although maybe not entirely, toward or from trying to find real-world implementable solutions, things you can actually do, to just pushing hysteria, all-out doomsday cult mode. I mean, sky is falling. Just call it quits, everybody. We need to start freaking out. And for quite a few people, um, it's not even about the environmental or the env environmentalism specifically anymore. It's about a whole bunch of other things, which we'll get to in just a few minutes. But um, regarding her... Her take that motherhood, you know, or parenthood in, in general when it comes to climate change is maybe not a good idea. This isn't the first time she's talked about this. We covered it a while ago where she was saying that maybe, uh, you know, having kids isn't the best idea in an era of climate change. We've heard That's people right. like Miley Cyrus say similar things. Um, the the ginger royal uh, who's married the actress, I forget his name, That they've talked about how they're only having two kids instead of, you know, more because of climate change. This is a thing. This is a, an agenda that environmentalists are now pushing. Have fewer kids because climate change. Our main evolutionary biological directive as living beings, and I'm not even going to say humans because it's like literally all living beings, not, not just us. Um, yeah, our main goal is to reproduce. Like that's how, that's how life works. Um, so the fact that people like AOC, Miley Cyrus, the royals, like they're even talking about this. They're saying... I don't know if I can have kids, like climate change. I mean, A, that's defeatist because I, I personally at least fully believe that we are capable of living sustainably on the planet. Maybe mm -hmm. not doing the best job of it right now, but I do believe we will get there through Absolutely. innovation. And, and, and B, like it's Darwinism. I mean, these people, they're like pandas. They just, they, like, they don't want to breed. And, you know, part of me is like, maybe we should try to snap these people out of it. But the other part of me is like, well... I mean, if they were so easily convinced into cutting off their own bloodlines, like yeah. maybe we should let nature run its course. Oh, I, I agree. I just kind of sit there and smile and I say, well, not, nothing of value was lost. And 
And in truth, I think it also coincides with part of the whole greater ideology that that the left and everything is is taken up right now, where you know they they're a very hedonistic culture mm-hmm. as a whole. So it's like, oh, we don't want to have kids anyways because yeah. we want to pretend that we're in our twenties our whole life. You yeah. know, we want to live like and and drink and live in the moment and spend money on ourselves because you know, right? We can't exactly. Have, if we have so, kids. We can't have as, as many avocado toasts and gender studies degrees. So yeah, it all just coincides, and it's all an attempt to gain power. And I think it's it's evident when you see how they lash out at anyone that talks about nuclear power, even if there's there's some a bunch of TED talks by one guy who was an activist like this for mm-hmm. years before he realized, oh, nuclear is the only way to fix yes. this, right? And, but still, not they that, will not no, hear it. Yeah. yeah, they will not hear it. Now he's the devil to them. So. And, it, and it's, that's what's frustrating to me because I feel like nuclear is an actual, like, it's ready now. We could do this now. We could be moving away from, if that's what you really want, fossil fuels right now. And, it, you know, it doesn't have the fracking issues that come with natural gas. But there's, st- like, people still aren't happy with it. And, and not only are people against it, but there are these huge mis- misinformation campaigns against it. And it's like, it's true. that that's when I, I kind of feel, and like Elizabeth Warren is, is someone who likes to call herself an environmentalist but hates nuclear and it's like to me that's how i know you're not serious about this that's how i know this is an ideology you're kind of bandwagging onto and you don't actually care because if you did you'd look into this more than you obviously have um so i mean with the thing with everyone not having kids is that that is how cultures and civilizations die i feel like i shouldn't need to explain that because like if no one has kids anymore than like what what's left. And I, I've had people complain, why do you care if someone doesn't have kids? I don't, I could not care less if an individual does not have kids. I don't care, right? But if people are pushing a narrative that nobody has kids, that, then you, you start to bring me into this a little bit and I'm Absolutely. probably going to say something. And that's like, if our culture or our civilization dies out, which... Unfortunately, I'm, I'm suspecting will happen if things keep going the way they are, then we'll have earned it. Like this is just Darwinism. There's no other way for it. Um, and I know it may be hard for some of us to imagine not having children because of the environment. But you have to understand, I think it's we, we did a we, we talked about a Rasmussen poll the other day that a majority of millennials think it's likely we'll all die in like 10 years. So they really do think things are that bad. And because of this hysteria- I like, was shocked by that poll. It is shocking. As soon as I, I, I got past the majority of millennials think, yeah. I was like, I was like, what? <laughs> this seems wrong to me. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, so because of this hysteria, like not only are people not having kids, but we actually have um, rising instances, instances of something called like climate-induced anxiety, where you're so concerned about climate change, you actually have things like anxiety and depression. And it's because people don't have hope for the future, which just goes like I get called anti-science all the time, even though like as far as I know, I've never denied any science. But it's like you have to understand this hysteria. It's not in line with the predictions that people are giving. It's not. Um, And we have this article here. It's not directly related to climate change, but it does talk about how hope is a key factor in recovering from anxiety disorders. And I think with, you know, I I don't have much stock in helping people like AOC or the Greta Thunbergs of the world, but for your average person who cares about the environment, I do hope we can introduce through education and science a little bit more hope into their outlooks. Um, Here's what it says. University of Houston Associate Professor of Clinical Psychology, Matthew Gallagher, has added his voice to a debate that spans the ages, the importance of hope, 
Gallagher reports in Behavior Therapy that hope is a trait that predicts resilience and recovery from anxiety disorders. His study examined the role of hope in predicting recovery in a clinical trial of 223 adults in cognitive behavior therapy for one of four common anxiety disorders, social anxiety disorder, panic disorder, generalized anxiety, and obsessive compulsive disorder. In reviewing recovery during CBT among the diverse clinical presentations, hope was a common element and a strong predictor of recovery, said Gallagher, who reports that moderate to large increases in hope and changes in hope were consistent across the five separate CBT treatment protocols. Um, hope is closely related to other positive psychology constructs such as self-efficacy and optimism that have also been shown to have clear relevance to promoting resilience to and recovery from emotional disorders. So I think when we talk about any movement that's growing more extreme, a unifying factor is that these people believe that we're on the brink and there's no turning back. And I think mm -hmm. that's true about the environmentalist movement right now. That's very um, hysteric. I think that's true for some of the like the Black Lives Matter movement. Absolutely. I think that's true for the like growing actual right wing identitarian movements in Europe who feel like their countries have lost. All of these groups are unified by not having any hope. And when people feel like there's no hope, they start to latch onto extreme things. But I think the environmentalists have it worse because the ones who take it that seriously, they probably live in a shoebox and uh, defecate in like a bucket in the corner. So it just makes it that much worse that they're, you know, they're living yeah. this, this, this horrible lifestyle <laughs> of like, you know, everything's recycled and they... Yeah, their deodorant doesn't work either. Right, exactly. And it's like they haven't showered since 2015. No, for sure. So... People like Greta Thunberg, they say that we should be panicking, right? They want, they want our panic because everyone knows people who panic make amazing decisions, the best. Um, you know, she laments that people are dying right now because of climate change. AOC has had said similar things. Um, this is the type of rhetoric I'm talking about that doesn't help people, that hurts not only people like AOC and Greta Thunberg, because I, I can only imagine by, by the things that they're saying that they really must have some serious anxiety over this, but it also, it spreads a narrative to people that is just not reflective of reality. And here we have Bjorn Lomborg. I've talked about him a lot on the show. Go follow him. He works for the head of the Copenhagen Consensus. He's he's pro-environment, but he's also pro-science and statistics so we can understand, okay, what is the human impact really? What is the most efficient way of improving things? Here's him talking to Tucker Carlson about the claim that people are dying because of climate change. We actually have pretty good data for how many people actually dying from weather-related disasters, so climate-related disasters. And the truth is, over the last 100 years, it's dropped dramatically. Uh, every year in the 1920s, we estimate about half a million people died around the world. Now, we've quadrupled the population, and yet the number has dropped like a stone. It's 95% reduced. We're now down to about 20,000 people that die every year. So I wanted to show that to you guys, not to say that we shouldn't care about the environment. It's not a big deal, but I just wanted to put some perspective to the numbers that you always hear being thrown around. Um, you know, the other day I saw a post saying, you know, to those who are trying to hinder the environmentalist movement, um, like, is it, do you hate the idea of clean air, clean water, you know, a, a, a planet for your children, for our children? That's not what people are upset about right now. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm friends that talk with a lot of right-wingers. Very few of them, even the ones who are skeptical about, like, a, I guess, man-made climate change, think, yeah, screw the planet. Right. No, hey, I like, dirty water, bring it on. Just dump whatever you want in the ocean. Doesn't matter. Like, no, that that's a caricature. Yeah. But I think what people are upset about are things like the, the hyperbole. And also, like I mentioned earlier, 
the growing movement to include other movements in the environmental movement. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. And <laughs> I think that they would, they would be getting a lot further in the actual, mm -hmm. you know, fixing climate change for whatever amount that we actually ha can impact that. Yeah. They'd be in a lot further if they weren't playing those cards, right? Yeah. If that was actually their goal, you know, you get a lot more people that are conservative. There are a lot of hunters that are conservative, for example, mm -hmm. that care a lot about conservation, but... They don't want to also implement socialism <laughs> exactly. to, to get to the so. conversation. And to illustrate what we're talking about, we have uh, this clip of AOC. That's the, another part of her speech where she really just is like bringing all the movements like into environmentalism. You'll see what I mean. I speak to you as a daughter and descendant of colonized peoples who have already begun to suffer. The climate crisis's path is first impacting those who have not only contributed to our emissions the least, but have already suffered greatly in the global history of inequality, colonization, and imperialism, stacking one injustice upon another. Climate change is a consequence. It is a consequence of our unsustainable way of life, because it is unsustainable to organize our society as we have, centered on prioritizing personal gain and profit over any and all human or planetary considerations. It is unsustainable to naively believe that building a wall can shield ourselves from humanity's collective destiny. It is unsustainable to promote amnesia around gross injustices and ignorance of our past, to abdicate responsibility simply because it was our ancestors who committed them and not us. So, I mean, you know, if you want environmentalism, everyone knows you, you got to bring in some socialism. You got to bring in some open borders to can't have walls, you know, anti-colonialism, just all, all of that stuff needs to be part of our intersectional environmentalist movement. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's hilarious because it turned out, I think it was Jordan Peterson is the first one I heard that ever said that it seems like the environmental movement is something other than the environmental movement. They're, mm -hmm. there's, you know, they're adding in some socialism to that. Yeah. It's the first, first time I heard it anyway. And I was like, that's a, it, literally exactly what she's admitting to here. Right. right. And, and we see that in the Green New Deal. If anyone's oh, actually yeah. read the bill, which we did an episode, again, I think when we back in Uncensored, I actually went through it. It is very like marginally about the environment. It's essentially like, here's how we introduce socialism. And I'm, like we did that thing about the um, the voting age thing that from the Suzuki Foundation. And it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, you signed this pledge to care about the environment, but also stuff about indigenous rights and social equality. It's like, why? I mean, yeah, yeah. they're trying so to tack on all of these other things. We have things like um, what is environmental racism that talks about it's just – I mean, I can understand a place for intersectionality when we come to social issues, but I feel like the environmental issue, it's really, it should be about like policymaking, science and things like that. Like we need to talk to yes. experts in like the nuclear field, experts in solar and things like that. And so when we start bringing, tacking on all these ideological things, it just makes it so much harder to get to the root of the problem. Right. Which is if they're really trying to claim to fix the yeah. environmental problems, then that's what they would do. But I... Um, yeah, that's just not their, their motivation, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so. And that's what's so frustrating because, you know, there are environmentalists out there who are trying to say like, hey, let's talk about something like single-use plastics. Um, here are alternatives. Here's what brands can do. Here's what you as a, as a consumer can do. Um, you know, let, let's talk about things like green energy. Like, this is the most efficient way to do this. Solar, if you're in these kinds of areas. If not, let's like build dams. Like, there are people who are actually trying to be like really smart and like, I don't know, take a, a strong methodological approach to this. And then you have people who like will just, like was that in, Extinction Revolution or something like Extinction Rebellion? The hippies in London who were just oh, kind of like... Oh, the, the fellow that was dancing? Yeah, it's like, what is that? That That's was good. Not, 
that's not useful activism. But anyway, no, but it is entertaining. Yeah, that's true. I'm just like I'm glad that I didn't have to be one of those police officers there who was probably just like smelling a bunch of things. You have to keep a straight face. Yeah, they probably didn't take a shower when they got home. Yeah, I would just take several that. showers. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Um, in any case, I think that's pretty much all the time we have left for today. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We hope to see you again next week at the same time. And if you are one of our live viewers, remember, stay on the stream because we are going to be back in just a few seconds with some exclusive Q&A. But in any case, we will see you next time.